0: happy friday everyone on today's locked on nhl the san jose sharks have found a new head coach in david quinn we've got remaining ufas to talk about and salary arbitration hearings have been set all that and more on today's locked on nhl
1: you're locked on nhl your daily podcast on the national hockey league
0: Welcome to the Friday edition of Locked On NHL. I'm Rachel Donner from Locked On Flyers. I'm on Twitter at our Miriam. I'm here as always with Gil Martin of Locked On Isles. You can find him on Twitter at Ice Wars, NYRVSNYI. Gil, how are we doing this Friday?
1: We are good and uh, we made it through another week and looking forward to the weekend. How about you?
0: Very much the same. Uh, Things in the NHL have changed a little bit, but not too much this week, but we're going to get into the biggest stories of the last couple of days coming up. Thanks for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. We are free and available on all your favorite podcasting platforms. Plus, you can watch us over on YouTube. So drop us a like and subscribe over there as well. The biggest news over the last couple of days is the San Jose Sharks finally hiring a new head coach, and that is David Quinn. And of course, San Jose had revamped a lot of their front office with Mike Greer coming on as GM. So I think this is his first like real big hire. And wanting to make a splash, but make the right choice, went with the former New York Rangers head coach. Uh, What is your first impression of this matchup?
1: I think it makes a a certain amount of sense. I mean, I liked Quinn uh, during his tenure with the Rangers. Uh, They let him go after the COVID shortened season. And I thought the team was making progress uh, under his leadership. You know, he has a college background, 5 seasons at BU. And I think that if you're looking at a Sharks team that is clearly now in rebuilding mode, having a guy who has experience working with younger players like Quinn does, plus having NHL experience, it's a good combination uh in that regard and then, you know, he also was coaching Team USA at the Olympics last year, which you know, it was one of those situations where you had a roll with the punches, where the NHL players were out and then they were in. I I think Quinn brings a good amount, a combination of experience and the ability to work with younger players. He actually had a winning record with the Rangers. And, you know, that just was, above that 500, was I would more. say. What was that?
0: Just above 500, I would say. It was a 96, 87, and 25 with the Rangers. Uh, But to be fair, I think it was sort of in a rebuilding mode for the Rangers. So I think that you can't really just look at that on its own. And he had made some progress with the Rangers, but there was just kind of a scorched earth thing that happened at that time in New York. And so I think that he was just part of that. Now he he did have some criticism toward the end of his tenure there. And I think that that's part of what led to his dismissal again as part of that sort of scorched earth thing that happened with the Rangers at that time. But uh, I think the biggest part of the criticism there was that he was specifically brought on because of that college coaching experience where, you know, he could be very hands-on in terms of mentoring these younger players, and he really understood how to work with young talent, but that that talent on the Rangers wasn't progressing with the, you know, level of speed or growth that I think the Rangers were looking for and that, you know, people who critiqued the team were looking for at the time.
1: Yeah, there's a certain irony to that, you know, that that here's the guy they bring in to develop because of his ability to work with and develop younger players. And the one thing that isn't happening to the team satisfaction is that very thing. But, you know, the sharks obviously believe that he has learned from his tenure in New York and can straighten that out and, and improve it. And the other thing you have to consider the sharks, at least as of right now, you still have your Carlsons and, you know, some of those veteran guys who are still there. So, you know, I think he'll rely on those older players for leadership. And I think there at least will be a certain amount of patience in San Jose because they're at the beginning now of finally saying, okay, we're not going to, we're not retooling. We're actually rebuilding. We're going to go strip this down and build it back up. And, you know, because Greer was brought in so late, they're now bringing in the coach, Quinn, late, but... obviously still before training camp, and it should be a situation where Quinn is able to put his stamp on this team in time for the regular season.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, I thought they might have gone with the Mike Fellucci option, assistant coach with the Penguins, uh, who has had a tremendous amount of success, and it would have been sort of a little bit of, of a more creative choice. He interviewed for a lot of different openings and just like hasn't gotten that higher. So I'm, I'm curious what's going on with that, but maybe they the Sharks just wanted to go with an established head coach who had had experience in that position before, again, with where the Sharks are in their kind of rebuilding phase uh, it does make a lot of sense I think that your point about having some veteran presence in the locker room there is a good one because one of the other I think criticisms of David Quinn is that his teams were not very disciplined Um, and you know they ran into a lot of penalty issues where they were shorthanded a lot and at that time especially because they had some young players that were you know on underdeveloped at that time, you know, their penalty kill wasn't that great either.
1: <laughs> so Got him into trouble time and time again. It did. Exa-
0: exactly. And so I think that that part of where the Sharks are and having some of those veteran leaders and maybe lessons learned from David Quinn, that should, in theory, put Quinn in a better position starting off with San Jose.
1: Yeah, and and the Sharks are obviously banking on that. You know, it's interesting. People always talk about young players taking a jump in their second or third year, and yet good coaches also, after they gain a few years' experience, they make a jump as well, and obviously the Sharks are confident that Quinn has learned some things from his tenure in New York, and that's why you go with a guy who, even though he doesn't have a lot of experience uh, coaching in the NHL, has that, you know, three years that he had in New York. And that will, I think, give him a chance to take it to the next level in San Jose.
0: Yeah. And one of the other teams in that division, the Seattle Kraken, have a head coach that also came from college and kind of had a flame out with the Philadelphia Flyers in, in Dave Haxtell. And, you know, with the Kraken, that's his second opportunity. Right. So I think that there's a prime opportunity here to do a lot of comparisons between the two in their coaching styles and how successful they are in getting these teams uh, that are, you know, underperforming to take that next step. And so I'm very curious to see how that plays out in the Pacific Division.
1: And I'm hoping from Quinn's perspective, especially, that the Sharks have a certain amount of patience. I don't think anybody expects San Jose to make the playoffs this year because they're just starting their rebuild really in right. early this offseason. So, I mean, to me, you know, the chips will fall where they may this year. Next year, you want to see some improvement. And then then the expectations go up from there. But they have to have a certain amount of patience when it comes to Quinn and and what the team's one loss record is going to be this year.
0: Absolutely. All right, we are going to switch gears next and talk about uh, one more our UFA signing that is, and who's still on the table in free agency. But first, we're going to hear about our friends at Bet Online.
1: Yeah, betonline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs, find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines and games. Find reviews of news of every league including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, eSports and even golf. Betonline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores and podcasts. They have you covered. Head to bet online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening right now. Bet online, where the game starts.
0: Which NFL stars move the betting line? The most starting. Earlier this week, Locked On is giving you the 50 most valuable players in the NFL from the odds makers at Bet Online. It's available now on Locked On NFL wherever you get your podcasts and over on YouTube. All right, we had one bigger UFA signing over the last couple of days, and that is Nino Niederreiter, and he has signed with the Nashville. Predators is a two year, $8 million deal. And I think this is a good deal for both sides in this case. Uh, of course, Nita Ryder was with Carolina this past season, 24 goals, 44 total points in 77 games. So, you know, obviously not a top scorer, but a huge part of the offense there. And I think he could fit really well into what Nashville is trying to build.
1: Yeah, I like the signing. It, it It's not one of those uh, big headline grabbing kind of moves, but it's one of those moves that every team needs to make to solidify their lineup. And, you know, Niederreiter started his career with the Islanders and expectations were high and he didn't pan out right away, but, you know, he went on to be very productive with, the wild, and with the Hurricanes. And and he's the kind of guy who, you know, he's probably best suited for second line duty, but he can drop down to your third line and be a checker. Over the short run, if you need him to, he can give you a couple of games on the first line without hurting you too much. And he plays a solid two-way game. So I think he'll fit in very well in Nashville. The price tag isn't that high, but it's not, unreasonably low either. And, you know, this is just a solid move that will improve the team. And I think it'll be a good opportunity for Nita Ryder to continue his career right now at the age of 29.
0: Yeah. And I love the term on this. It's a two-year deal. So it doesn't lock the Preds into anything for a, a really long time. And it gives them a chance to figure out where he fits not that expensive, like you said. I think it's you know exactly where his value is at the moment based on his output. I think you're right that he could potentially slot in on that second line for Nashville with Ryan Johansson. I think that would be a, a really good combination for the Preds to solidify that second line that they have and and really boost it a little bit and you're right there is some flexibility as well that he could drop to the third line if they need him to but I really do see him on that second line in Nashville so I think that's it is a really good deal for both of them like I said and uh, I think that You know, it does leave fewer and fewer names left on the UFA list. Of course, Nazim Qadri is still out there, but we've known that he is taking his time with this. And, you know, it could be weeks before we know where he ends up.
1: Yeah. And if I'm Qadri, I, I don't necessarily feel like I have to be in that big of a hurry uh sort of the longer he stays out there he is the biggest prize left and I think he's going to get a lot of attention and as more and more names come off the board GMs are going to be like if we need to make a splash we got to go Kadri so uh under the circumstances I think Kadri is in a pretty good position right now and there are a number of teams who could benefit from his services
0: yeah, I, I really do. And you know, there are some teams that still have the cap space left to do it um and haven't spent up to that left. And I think that because the cap is going up in future years, um, teams are gonna be willing to give him the term that he wants. So he's in a, a good enough position where he can sit back and, and make the deal that's right for him.
1: Yeah, let 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 the teams come to him and I think he'll do just fine and You know, right now, if you're looking for goal scoring, far and away, he is the best name left on the board.
0: Yeah, I think right now, the bulk of the remaining names on the list are, as far as forwards go, are really depth forwards, right? Mm -hmm. But that could contribute. And, you know, there's risk reward. But I, I think for me, the most interesting name that's still available is Evan Rodriguez, because he has been, you know, a... While he's not totally consistent, I think a pretty solid depth forward for the Pens. Um, He had 19 goals and 24 assists this past season, which was tremendous for him. And, you know, I think that he is filled in higher up in the lineup for the Pens as they've needed to do so with injuries on the team. And he fits in really well wherever you put him. And uh, he's somebody that I personally was interested in the Flyers taking a look at because I think he could have really contributed a lot, especially when they bought out Oscar Lindblom. I thought he could have kind of replaced that uh, production there, but uh, still out there.
1: Yeah, he is. And and it'll be interesting to see where he goes. I I was looking at a couple of veterans, guys who you know certainly are not the players they were in their prime but who could still probably contribute in the right circumstances and and with the right line mates older guys who you probably need to sign to one or two year contracts guys like Phil Kessel and Paul Stastny who you just hope they have a little bit more in the tank and can give you a productive year or two on the right team and in the right circumstances and at the right price i think they can still contribute
0: Yeah, Phil Castle is an interesting conversation because uh, we talked about it on the Locked on Flyers show as well as an option maybe for the Flyers. And the issue with him is that he has that Iron Man streak going. And I know like for the Flyers, uh, we just went through that. And I'm not sure that we can do that again, where you have a guy that maybe you want to sit, but you can't because... You want to keep that streak going and that's certainly part of any negotiations that he's probably doing in free agency and you know everybody saw with yandel that he was out there when he very clearly should not have been playing like right. he just was not up to snuff defensively and so when you sign a guy like that that's something you have to take into consideration now can he give you some goals absolutely is he going to be the strongest defensively probably not no. right so <laughs> i think in the right system you could probably make it work but there's a lot of risk there
1: absolutely and and that's why you need to do it for the right price and and have him fit in in the right circumstances i mean I, there's no doubt in my mind you you get him on the power play with a little bit more time and space He'll score a few goals and he'll set up a few more. Um, and, you know, Stastny a little bit in, in the same boat, although he at least had 21 goals last year mm-hmm. for Winnipeg, and you don't have the the game streak. But again, sort of a veteran, uh, a, a guy obviously with, uh, you know, a, a pedigree as far as his family is concerned, and a guy who's been a productive, solid twenty goal-type guy for many stops in his NHL career, somebody who could help, but who's got to be in the right set of circumstances and at the right price.
0: Exactly. i want very curious on your take on Calvin DeHaan, who is still out there as a free agent defenseman as well. Obviously, you have a lot of experience covering him um, as a, a New York Islander, um, you know, he's a shot blocking defensive defenseman and uh, I think would be a really good pickup for some teams again, just to solidify, you know, a third pairing.
1: Yeah. I mean, he just turned 31. It's not like he's past his prime. He's not going to give you a lot offensively uh, you know, never had more than 25 points in any season. And that goes all the way back to 2016, 2017, but he's steady. He's smart defensively. Like you said, he'll block shots. He had 172 block shots in 69 games last year, and he'll deliver, you know, heady defensive play. Most of the time, uh, I think he could be a a solid third pair, Maybe, maybe, maybe in the right set of circumstances, second pair defenseman. But ideally, if you've got Calvin Dehan on your third pair, you're doing pretty well.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. So I'm very curious to see where he ends up uh, at the end of free agency and where all these guys end up. Uh, we still obviously have some important holes to fill on various teams and lots more to come on that front. Uh, One person who is not available on the free agent market anymore is Kasperi Kapanen, who avoided salary arbitration. Uh, He had a scheduled hearing on that, but the pens agreed to a two-year $6.4 million contract with him. So he is off the arbitration list. We're going to talk about the rest of that list coming up next. All right, we got the list of players who elected to go to salary arbitration for restricted free agents, and now those hearings are scheduled. Like I said uh, at the end of the last segment, Kasperi Kapanen is off the list. He had been scheduled for a July 30th hearing, and the hearings start July 27th and run through August 11th. Obviously, teams are free to negotiate with these players ahead of those hearing dates and, you know, come to some sort of agreement and sign those players in the interim. But uh, I think that there's a couple interesting names on the list that still have hearings scheduled. And I I think the one obviously that jumps out the most is Matthew Kachuk. And Mm -hmm. that uh, hearing is scheduled for the latest date in all of this, August 11th. Obviously, everybody knows he's going to get traded prior to that date, but we do have a hard deadline of August 11th.
1: Yeah, and that that means, you know, okay, the Calgary Flames are on the clock as far as this trade goes. And part of the situation that complicates any trade, because he only has one year, you know, if you go to arbitration, you get that one year contract mm-hmm. so to want to have an extension worked out with him before. they make the trade so that adds a little extra dimension to all the trade talks and it's difficult to see the Calgary Flames lose two of their best players one already out the door and now Kachuk, you know on the clock so to speak it's got to be heartbreaking for the fans in Calgary
0: yeah I I can't even imagine it's just gone from a solid playoff team to a giant question mark going into next season. One of the other question marks is also on this list, Andrew Mangiapani, and uh, his hearing is scheduled for August 5th right now and, you know, he had been making 2.425 million which for a guy like that who was you know, producing at a tremendous rate this past season. Obviously, he wants that salary to go up. And uh, I, I can't imagine what the offer was if okay. they lowballed him. Yeah. Um, I think out of everybody on this list, he has, other than maybe Kachuk, he has like the most argument for asking for a lot.
1: Well, he coming off a 35-goal season, I would think mm-hmm. that, yeah, he he would have – uh, he, he'd be in a good situation negotiating wise. I, I, I think the the big question with him is he's only done it once. You know, he had the thirty five right. goals this year. Never had more than eighteen in a season before that. Now, okay, the eighteen goals came in a fifty six game COVID shortened season. But overall, uh, you want to see him doing a little bit more consistency consistently. Before you give him a long-term contract for big bucks. But yeah, it looks like they probably lowballed him. And and I I mean, here is a guy who consistently has a a, a good shot. Uh, you know, his shooting percentage was a, a hair under 19% last year, a hair under 20% the year before. He's shown he's got a dangerous shot, the ability to put the puck in the net, and at the age of 26, you know, he's still in his prime. I I really think he is going to get a pretty darn good contract if he goes to arbitration.
0: Yeah, I think um, the, the Flames are in such a precarious position here with both these guys and getting the right return for Kachuk and making sure that you know, they negotiate something maybe before that August 5th hearing date, because I think knowing what that cap hit and what the term is, is going to be really important for figuring out how they proceed in the future without their top two stars.
1: Yeah. And the other thing is, you know, three strikes and you're out, they can't afford to lose three really good players. (laughs) And, you know, if you get into a situation where all of a sudden you lowball them, can't come to an agreement, then, you know, three of your best goal scorers all won out of town in the same offseason. That would be a PR disaster, not to mention an on ice disaster for the Calgary Flames.
0: Yeah, I think one of the other interesting names on the list is Jesse Pugliarvi for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, he has one of the earliest dates for his hearing, which is July 29th on the list. And he has been a name that's been out there this whole off season so far as a potential trade target for the Oilers. And, you know, he's coming off his best season, but I think that the Oilers are looking to sell high because they feel like they can replace what he does on the team. And the fact that he's going to arbitration maybe, you know, also has uh, creates that urgency for a deadline to figure out a deal for him.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's right. And, you know, if I'm Edmonton, I really would prefer to keep him because, you know, he is a good, not only is he, you know, solid offensively, but defensively he gets the job done. And they to have some defensive forwards on that Oilers team is something that, that they need. Uh, they They may feel like they can replace what he does, but I wouldn't be too quick to get rid of him if I were the Edmonton Oilers.
0: Yeah, it just seems like, you know, based on everything that's out there that they're more likely to hold on to Kyler Yamamoto yes. who have sort of been paired with Puliyarvi and all of these offseason discussions about those two guys and, you know, Yamamoto's on the list for August 7th, so maybe that's where they, you know, are willing to give a little bit more in terms of the negotiation, but we'll we'll have to see how that goes for the Oilers. Is there anybody else on the list that uh, is of interest to you?
1: Ah, you know, those those are the biggest names right now, uh, as far as I'm concerned. And, you know, arbitration is always tough because there's always the potential for bad blood between the team and the player and what's said in the hearing room. And uh, you just hope that arbitration more than anything is an incentive for the two sides to get something done before the hearing. And that usually is what takes place.
0: Yep. And uh, obviously, as these hearings progress, we'll see where players end up, what the contracts look like, how they implicate the cap hits on all of these teams. But that will do it for today's show. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. Gil, of course, you'll be back on the Monday show to talk with uh, some of the local hosts about what's going on with their teams. We'll both be back next Friday to recap the week that was in the NHL. I'm Rachel. You can find me on Twitter at R. Gill Gil is on Twitter at IceWarsNYRVSNYI. Have a great weekend, everyone.